Hello, everybody, and welcome to the In the Numbers podcast. I am your host, Jarvez Hall, director of the East Metro STEAM Partnership. We are excited to start a new season of the podcast, season two. This is our first year that we're having the video podcast to go along with the audio. So we are very, very pumped up. And today, our number of the day is, that we are in the numbers, our number of the day is 120,339. That is the number of the day because that is the average salary, average base salary of a data scientist in the Portland metropolitan area. And why do we bring that up? Because we are excited to have a special guest for you all today. And I want everyone to give him a big round of applause as I bring him in. We're gonna go to the gallery view here and take off my pen. Gotta love the technology. We are getting to it, so I'm excited uh, to have the illustrious. You have to, you have to, you have to make sure you use the term illustrious here. Uh, we are excited to have the illustrious Dr. Jameson Watts of Willamette University. Give him a big round of applause. The executive director and chair of computing and data science programs and is an associate professor of marketing and data science. Give him a big round of applause. Dr. Watts, we are excited to have you here. And thank you for taking the time to be with us. Thank you, uh, Jarvez. Yes, I, I have perhaps a few too many titles at this stage in my career. <laughs> that's, the, um, that's, that's, that's the cool part about academia. They don't always give you more money, but they can definitely give you more titles. <laughs> That, that, that's one thing that we know for a fact. Yeah, so that number, um, uh, the, uh, the salary, right, of, of data scientists in the Portland metro area, um, you know, we are basically training folks to make more money than I do. <laughs> Man, I, you're, making, you're making me want to think about a, a, a career change over here. Um, a little bit before we go forward, Dr. Watts and I, uh, go way back. We both actually uh, got our MBAs from Willamette way, way, way back in 2007. So we're we're, we're MBA 07. That is, uh, it didn't seem like that long ago when we got it, uh, but when you start counting the years back, it's like, man, that was uh, a few years ago. Well, yeah, and I think we need to address some things, uh, Jarvez. Um, okay. Well, what you know, the end of numbers podcast is where we go to address things. So let's <laughs> lay it all on the table. Uh, so I think we need to be, you know, forthright with our audience here. Um, you and I uh, not only did the MBA uh, together, um, but uh, we also. Um, celebrated at the end of the semester together on a few occasions. And so you and I, um, let's say wait, we, we've, wait, we've shared it. Let, 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 let me find the mute button really quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for, for, the, for the record, that was research. That was, that was, that was research that we were yeah. doing. Uh, uh, you know. I think you, you owe me a speaker, um, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was some uh there was some fun time. That's one thing I always appreciate about you. You were the best host. Uh at the at the time, I think I was a uh they called him a U-Rep. So I was uh kind of a RA for, for one of the one of the the frat houses were actually on the campus. I think that was a unique situation to Willamette, is that all their fraternities and sororities were actually owned by the school and on campus. And so I was on campus. So that you know, not like I could host anything, but you had the nice house. And so uh uh the celebrations were always more festive uh at at, at your place. That's one thing uh you learn in business school is 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 how to uh how to network is what we call it. We call it network. Right. 
so this this show is about numbers, right? So if if a typical party at my house was an eight, when Jarvez showed up, it went to about an eleven, I would say. <laughs> now, now, now he now he did some in depth data analysis on this to really make sure that uh, that he got those those, those numbers worked out. We, we had some good times to, uh, to to say the least. I was thinking about some of those times. I think I was chatting with a. Uh, uh, I know you remember Sadiq and, and a couple other. Oh yeah, folks. Yeah, we asked some. Uh, we were talking about some of those times. Yeah, you you're definitely the best host. Uh, oh, sure. what? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, Jason Feynman, uh, Jamie Truler, like who else was in that? Crew? <laughs> My goodness. Oh, they're still man. around. Brandon. Uh, yeah, Brandon. They're still around. Oh man, we we have yeah we yeah, but they they gotta get mad if we name too many names out here. You know, they're all <laughs> everybody's all professional now. We have these cool job titles, and you know some folks have dispersed around the the country or even across the globe, and. You know they have wives or our our spouses and and kids and and uh, partners and they don't they don't know about those fun times at uh, at business school, but uh, we, we we definitely had some good times. Good times were definitely had. And now you know that you're done partying. Now you're uh, now you're partying with with data, and uh, you're you're doing some really cool things with with data science. So so tell us a little bit about this because. Uh, this is a relatively new program at Willamette, uh, really around data science, and I don't think as many people know about it. I know growing up, I knew about, of course, the the, the school, the the undergrad, and then the law school, and then the uh, MBA program. Uh, and I think I don't think the teaching school is there anymore. Is no, the, I, no, the teaching school uh, is definitely not there. Um, yeah. So the, uh, but we're, yeah, we're in the process. Sorry, I'm pulling up a, a couple of references. We're, uh, we're definitely in the, um, uh, the process of building some new things uh, at the university. And computing and data science is one area that uh, we're really trying to focus on. And part of the reason is exactly what you said. Um, demand is, is just massive for uh, these kinds of jobs. Um, we've got more op job openings, more open positions in computing and data science um, than there are filled positions in every other STEM field combined. Wow. Yeah. That is, that is, let's say that one more time. I think folks need to hear that in the back that, that may just be turning in late. They yeah, there, there are more open positions, more job openings, unfilled jobs, right? Then there are filled jobs, right? People who already have employment in every single other STEM field combined. So all the sciences, all the maths, everything. Um, the demand is absolutely huge. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a real challenge uh, to train, uh, train up the uh, future workforce uh, to fill these jobs. And so that's uh, the role that we're trying to fill here at the university. Wow, that is, man, that is, that is amazing. There is, wow, when, you know, a lot of our work is, is we try to really push folks to, to think about STEM as an economic development measure. And to think about how are we making sure that we have the workforce trained to compete for uh, for high wage and living wage positions, and that's in no way to discount any low wage work. I think sometimes people look at it as uh, discrediting low wage work. You need uh, that type of work as well, but we want to make sure that people have options. And when you see that. Uh, that's why I was just interesting looking at the the, the data from from Glassdoor and really taking a peek at looking at the average base salary is one hundred and twenty thousand three hundred and thirty nine dollars a year, and that's on average, and that's just base salary. That doesn't even count uh, additional cash compensation that they have that they say could range anywhere from an additional. 3,500 to an additional 60,000, depending on what you have going on. 
and even some of the other jobs that are related to data scientists, uh, the data analysts in Portland, the average starting salary is uh, just over $69,000. For a quantitative analysis, the average is about $115,000 uh, a year. So just some of those really cool things and seeing some of the employers, your Intels, your Nikes, your Comscore, uh, Amazon, uh, you know, PGE, Adidas, uh, all these big players, Apple, uh, Facebook, HP, Chipotle, tech systems, all of these folks have data science and data analysis positions, you know, open right now as you're, as you're well, talking about that. And, and I don't want folks to think it's only the big companies. Um, oh, no. So data science is is big tent. And one of the reasons I like it so much is because it uh, it has so much breadth. And so uh, I encourage you to just go to LinkedIn jobs and type in uh, the keyword data and see what comes up. But the types of companies that are hiring are vast. So I have uh, friends in uh state government here, uh, you know, in Salem, we're right, right across the street from the Capitol. They are doing data science for foster care. So they're using machine learning models, right, to help the state successfully place uh, children in the foster care, right? I've got another friend who is using data science uh, to help address uh, salmon shortages in the Columbia River. So he's also on a state contract and he's, uh, he's got sensors attached to seals and seals are the main predators for salmon. And so he's using data science to track movement of the seals around the Columbia River mouth in order to help predict salmon runs um, going up and down the Columbia and Willamette. Um, you can, of course, right, use data science to help Nike sell shoes. Plenty of openings there. Um, but the field is vast and broad and expanding. Um, literally every single company out there is trying to figure out what to do with the masses uh, of data that are showing up on their doorstep every day. 90% of all of the world's data, 90% was created in the last two years. Wow. That man, big big data is a real thing. Like this is this is crazy, and, and to think how much of that data uh, is is yet to be turned into intelligence. Yeah, and that's there's... that's the main opportunity, right? And it doesn't have to be fancy, you know, really complicated machine learning models, right? There's a huge amount of value. Um, just in learning how to ingest, wrangle, visualize, and explain what's going on. Um, and those are kind of the, uh, the early things that you learn in a data science curriculum. Um, and in truth, it's also what you end up doing about 95% of the time in your job as an analyst or data scientist. Um, Every, you know, machine learning is kind of where artificial intelligence is, is you know, the, the kind of buzzword, the hot topic at the moment. And of course, we teach that. You have to learn about it. But the truth is, modeling is only maybe 3 or 4% of your day. 95% of your day is spent either kind of wrangling data. In other words, you know, imagine you're, you're at a rodeo and you're trying to kind of lasso some like wily, you know, uh, cow <laughs> or steer. I don't know. I, I didn't grow up on a ranch. It's probably a bad analogy, right? But, um, you know, the, the technical term is actually data wrangling. Um, and it's a matter of just taking the massive amounts of data and turning it into something that you can make sense of uh, within an organization. So you're spending a huge amount of time on that. That involves, uh, you know, uh, working and manipulating data and visualizing the data. The other part of your day is spent communicating. So folks don't actually realize this, but the folks who get ahead in these careers um, are 
those who understand humans, human needs, human problems, and are good at communicating how uh, what they're finding in the data actually applies to and impacts their organization and the problems that organization is trying to provide. Um, in the capstone class this summer uh, that I taught, I had about seven experts from industry come in and speak. Uh, I did not prompt any of them to say this, but every single one of them without fail said that if you want to excel in this career, focus on communication. Mm. You know, well, hold, hold on to that for a moment, because uh, we always like to have, and I, and I hate the, the term soft skills, but uh, there's always so much of that I know that that means so much. It's, it's, it's really, I, you know, I prefer, you know, emotional intelligence versus kind of the soft skills one, because it makes it seem like there's these, you know, hard skills and they, all these soft skills. These are really soft. No, these are important skills. Uh, but hold on to that just one moment. And we're going to come back to that as well as uh, a little bit more about this uh, career field. And I want to first, uh, we did take a quick break to give our sponsor read. And today's uh, In the Numbers podcast is sponsored by the East Metro STEAM Partnership. We are excited for EMSP to sponsor this particular episode. Uh, they sponsored some episodes in the past, and, and we are excited for them to be back. They wanted to announce that our partner meeting for the East Metro STEAM Partnership is going to be October 6th at 1 p.m. Uh, uh, sorry, West Wednesday, October 6th at 1 p.m., and you are welcome to go to the website, eastmetrosteam.org, to learn more about the East Metro STEAM Partnership, whose mission is to develop and align resources through collaborative partnerships to support STEAM initiatives, and to and, and whose vision is an East Metro community where youth and adults have equitable access and are engaged in STEM learning that results in a skilled workforce and increased economic opportunity. Please feel free to go to eastmetrosteam.org, join the mailing list, and feel free to click on the event for October 6th, join our partner meeting to learn more. So thank you very much for East Metro Steam Partnership for uh, making sure that they are sponsoring this podcast. So back to Dr. Watts. And so if you could just for a quick moment, just kind of talk about like your the, the curriculum and the program and what it kind of builds towards. I think one thing uh, that scares people, like one, I think when I hear data scientists, it sounds like really cool, but to a lot of people, it scares them because the first thing they think of is scientists. So it's like science, that's kind of scary. And then data, that must mean it's, math and numbers and, you know, I'm scared of math and numbers or, you know, I, I wasn't good at math in, in high school or, you know, I didn't get a, uh, I don't know what the what the SATs are now, if they might have changed. And I didn't get an 800 on the math section of the SATs, so I can't be in this this field. What 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 would you say to them and, and what does your curriculum look to, to build on as folks enter the program? So, uh, I haven't told too many people this, Jarvez, but um, I I did not do very well in math in high school. Um, I was not a you know kind of star student. I you know uh, dropped out of calculus. I you know um, really didn't excel in kind of the algebra classes or geometry or trigonometry. Um, and to be perfectly honest, um, the way that the math curriculum was taught, at least to me in high school, just didn't really fit with how my brain works. And it wasn't until I got to college and uh, was introduced to math in a slightly different way um, that I started to realize 
that I could do it and that not only could I do it, but it enabled me to be creative and powerful in ways that I didn't know that I could. Um, and so what I would say is, first of all, our high school math curriculum is, is broken. Um, we don't do a good job of emphasizing the things that we should be emphasizing in high school to make sure that our students are getting excited about um, math in the right way. Um, the main thing here is, is I think an overemphasis on geometry and calculus. Um, algebra is important. I'm not sure it's taught incredibly well at the moment, but algebra is important. But more than anything, um, data, fluency, and statistics are the areas that are not being taught um, in high volume in our high schools. Uh, and those, and yet those are the areas that have the greatest impact on all of these wonderful jobs that you and I are talking about. Um, and yes, you have to kind of get comfortable with numbers and data, but it's different than solving math problems, right? Like you're not just kind of sitting there and, you know, trying to work out the solution to some, you know, complicated, you know, set of equations or something like that. The great thing about data and statistics are that you're dealing with real problems around you because data is not abstract in the way that most math is abstract. Data is like, I mean, it's, it's here, it's in front of us, it's being generated by us, right? So it's a real world approach to learning about math. And what that means is that you get to actually apply stuff, right? So you can look at things like how many times did, you know, Ashton Kutcher tweet about this particular thing and how did that lead to, you know, growth in this product? Right. Um, I don't know. Are we are we going back too far in our references? We were having a conversation about like well, a 90s lot of, references. A lot of, well, you know, he's still a little relevant <laughs> today. If you uh, I, I think now you would have to talk more TikTok. You would, oh, you, no. you would have to you would have to talk like I have uh, no idea who the who the TikTok stars are now. You would have to Who's talk there? like 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 Charlie Biamillo or or, you know, of course, any of the Kardashians are up there. You would have to talk any of, oh, who's the new one? I forgot her name. But there's, there's, there's a few of them that are kind of the it ones uh, right now that you would have to talk. Uh, All right, I do yeah. think that's interesting because, and, and that's one thing I've, I've appreciated about social media, is that social media has given us a way to talk data analytics with young people in a way that they might have been able to connect with before. You know, even my, you know, even my nine-year-old can see how many likes something gets, you know, <laughs> and to see whether or not something is, is trending or not. But now we can have a conversation to talk about algorithms and what stuff gets put up in front and what stuff doesn't. Uh, we can we can have that talk from a uh, from a data design piece to say, okay, how do we know what to put up that will actually get seen by, by more people? We can have those conversations now and talk about those numbers and analytics with, uh, with things around social media that actually get young people excited. And so that's one of the things that I try to have conversations with our, our youth advisory council on is if we are going to make an impact, uh, we need to use data to understand how we can make the greatest impact when we don't maybe have a large number of people. You know, how can we get a message out there? How can we talk to folks about X, Y, or Z? If we want to raise awareness about conservation efforts that are specific to East Monona County, you know, then, then how do we make somebody understand 
what the impact of the Columbia Slough is on our area versus someone who might be in Lane County who's like, I don't have to deal with the Columbia, so why do I have to worry about it? So thinking about those those types of things, uh, as well as helping them understand uh, when you when you when you understand analytics, you also understand the business behind a particular industry, particular area, and you understand how how that works. But but you really it's really about understanding more than anything. Uh, it's like you have questions in life, but then you get some understanding, which I think is fantastic. It is. So, I mean, I think that like, and folks are starting um, at the high school level to realize that this is a more powerful way of delivering math understanding. Um, what I would say also, in addition to just the understanding is, is that um, this is about fundamentally about power in my view. Um, so, so that, the job openings, right? The salary, um, money's nice, right? It's fine. Like we all, we all like a good salary, right? We all like to be rewarded for, for the job that we're doing, but the, what's really going on there is that there's incredibly high demand for this knowledge and talent. What does that mean? That means that the folks who have this knowledge and talent have tremendous amount of power. And it's the kind of power that you can acquire as a young person that almost no other field gives you, right? Think about like political power, right? Like corporate power. You have to be middle-aged people like you and me. I'm sorry, we're middle-aged now, Jarvis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, some days, some days I feel in the old age. You know, my, you know, my, my age may be middle, but these knees. These knees in this back, uh, they, they might have <laughs> had a past life or something. Uh, but I, I definitely understand what you're saying there. It took, it takes some time to, uh, to realize that and, it, and admit to it. And it makes it difficult because when folks get to our age, you start thinking, hey, you know, hey, maybe this is my time. And yeah. then you start seeing the young people come up and it's like, hey, maybe they need to slow down and wait their turn. <laughs> Uh, you know, because I had to go through, you know, X, Y, or Z. Now, in my role, I'm trying to uplift young people. So, hey, if they want to take over my job, knock themselves out. But well, uh, you do it's because all the baby boomers won't retire. But that's maybe a separate <laughs> podcast that we can talk oh, about. Oh, that is a that is a separate separate issue <laughs> for sure. Uh, hey, one thing I will tell you is, <laughs> and of course, you know, we talk about finances a bit. You know, there's some folks who love what they do, and I I grant you, and I love what I do as well. But you know, once I once I hit the, the retire number mark, I'm out. I guess it's, it's, it's peace. You know, I, I'm living off. I, I think one of our uh, one of our other classmates from from uh, from from Atkinson back in the day at Willamette, uh, he actually uh, quit his job and was living off of his. Uh, Investments. He invested in some property. Uh, I think you remember John, and uh, and they invested in properties, and that's his his. He gets to do whatever he wants to do because he manages his properties, and all the stuff grew, and uh, he made those investments at a very good time, and they all paid off. So, well, uh, so think about that, right? When you make investments early, right, then maybe you get to retire early. One of the ways that you actually have anything to invest, capital or otherwise, is to actually be in a position to have kind of high earning power early in your career, right? Sure. And one of the, like, I, there is no other way to do it that I can see. I mean, maybe certain, like, you know, um, Wall Street jobs, you can do it. But for the most part, right, computing and data science are the option that you have, you know, to go attain this kind of power, attain this freedom, attain this kind of mobility um, in ways that nobody else gets, right? Really, nobody else gets. Um, and so for me, it's, it's even beyond just, I love seeing my students, you know, be in demand. Um, I honestly feel there, we have 
a moral imperative to do this. So, and I'm with you. And what's what people don't understand, even about the jobs in finance and Wall Street, people think, oh, I'll go get a finance degree, then I'll work on Wall Street and make a lot of money. No, those folks make money because they know other rich people. Right. And they can bring those clients in and then they can get a piece of those things on, on commission. This what, what is really cool about data science is you can be poor. You can be from a low income family. If you have the knowledge, you have the degrees, you can get into these fields. If I want to work on Wall Street, it's about who do I know? What yep. school did I go to? Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, whose ring did I kiss? to be able to get into something. There's so many of these data, data scientist roles where they're just like, they're starved for folks who have the knowledge. If you know how to do this, they want you. They do. And you have an opportunity. And to be perfectly honest, Jarvis, schools like Willamette have not um, really fulfilled this promise. Um, and so if you look at carefully at the data, yeah, we've got we've got this data that suggests okay, you know, the the expensive private school education ends up paying off, you know, down the line. The truth is, it only pays off down the line for two groups of folks. One, folks who are already um, wealthy and well connected coming into the private school, right? Or two folks who happen to get some sort of uh, technical training while they're in the liberal arts organization. Uh, students from disadvantaged backgrounds that come in and, you know, spend 45,000 bucks a year or less if they're on some sort of scholarship, even then they come out with, you know, 80,000 bucks in, in debt um, and a philosophy degree. They do not, actually end up better off down the line than community college, state schools, et cetera. It's a false promise. This program, right, is about fixing that. It's about basically saying, look, this is actually a reliable pathway if you are a, come from a historically disadvantaged background, if you're first generation, right? If you don't uh, feel like you fit into these other things. This actually works and it's reliable. Um, this, I, I don't know, to me more than anything, this is like the most important thing that we're doing at the university. Well, and of course he is not just saying that because it's his program, but <laughs> <laughs> it is really saying that. And one, I think you you definitely believe that and I think it's one that that I am subscribing to as well. I think it is fantastic. And I threw out that number, uh, which of course, again, our number of the day, I kind of feel like, you know, we were, you know, dating ourselves earlier. Whenever I say 120,339, you know, it's supposed to be like, uh, supposed to be like Pee Wee Herman and, you know, number of the day and the, horns and stuff goes off and confetti drops from the ceiling and things like that every time someone says it. But that that's that's dating myself a bit. It's uh, another it's another <laughs> like 90s reference that no one no one besides you and me is gonna get. But oh oh I'm telling you now the great part is the teachers, the educators, the professionals listen to this. Yeah they'll right, know exactly they what's up. If the, <laughs> when the when the students listen to it, they're like, Pee Wee Herman, what are you talking about? I'm like, hey Pee-wee's Playhouse is cool. That's what just what you watch. There's just certain things that you did, um, and what I what I really appreciated that was was looking at this, especially from an equity standpoint. And that's why one of the reasons why I wanted to make sure we talked to you is because often um, the students we represent in East Bonoma County, one of the most diverse areas of the state, oftentimes it starts with people telling them hey, you're not good at math, or hey, you don't understand, or hey, go going to this thing, it's a little bit easier. And it doesn't stop in, in high school. You know, I once had a high school counselor who told me I'd never go to a four-year college. You know, um, 
And part of that was they looked at my grades and was like, oh, your grades are terrible, which they were. But they didn't look at the student, the person, and understand who I was as a young man at the time, nor what I was going through in my life. With at the time, my mother was, was ill and she ended up passing away when I was a, a junior in high school from a sickle cell anemia hashtag, uh, September Sickle Cell Awareness Month. Uh, check out sicklecelloregon.org for information about sickle cell anemia. Uh, but as, as I go, even in my undergrad in college, I had a great undergraduate experience, but I also had an academic advisor who was like, oh, you'll never graduate with a degree in business. I had people who were, at the time I was playing football, and I had some uh, delusions of grandeur, so to speak. Not that I just, and it wasn't even like I wanted to go to the NFL, like had this long NFL career. My oddest goal was to just get to a camp and get cut. I didn't want to actually play football. Like football hurts. <laughs> and I'm a and I'm an all natural guy. I didn't take you know the shots or the you know the the painkillers and things like that. So I felt practice. Like practice sucks. Like we were like, oh, do you miss it? No, I don't. It hurts. Don't miss it at all. Love watching it. Hate it playing. It. Uh, but but even in that, there are folks like, oh, you business? Oh, you that that's too hard. Why don't you take this? Why don't you get this, uh, you know, general studies degree or this? this a, no. Uh, but there's so many times folks like that are pushed into these other areas because they say, well, that's not for you or for people like you aren't in there. But when you think about, one, how many cool jobs are available, how many cool things are going on. And one thing I'll throw at you for a bit of time, I was teaching uh, uh, finance at uh, Concordia Portland, Concordia University of Portland before it closed. And didn't get anybody excited about the finance class. But I taught another class, which was sports finance. And all the athletes were in that particular class because they were in sports management. Oh, they were excited about that class. Uh, and we would celebrate, uh, do you know, uh, July 1st is a uh, Bobby Bonilla Day. Uh, have, you, have, have you heard about that? No, I have not. Uh, Bobby Bonilla Day. Bobby Bonilla was a, a baseball player for the Mets, and he had signed this this contract where uh, they they wanted to defer the compensation, and so instead of just paying him his salary, they paid him like they're paying him like one point one million dollars for like thirty years or something like that. Now the idea behind it was they were at the time investing that salary with Bernie Madoff. And so they were bringing 20% a year while they were paying him 8%. So they're like, great, we're making 12% off the spread. We're making money off him deferring his contract. Well, lo and behold, they end up going bankrupt because uh, uh, made off of the Ponzi scheme and uh, so on and so forth. But every year, the team, even after they sold the team and stuff, they still have to pay them every July 1st $1.1 million until like 2032 or something like that. So every year we we, we kind of joke about uh, every July first is Bobby Bonilla Day, and on Sports Center they always have something, and all about uh, sports finance folks we kind of get a little chuckle and text each other and say Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. It wasn't like he was in the Hall of Fame or like this great player or something like that, but uh, it was just one of the coolest contracts in Boy, sports. Good at finance. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to call you up when. When I'm re- renegotiating my contract with the provost and and oh, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can talk do about that, but those <laughs> are the kind of things that got got them excited. You talked about trying to do things to get get kids excited. We would actually look up uh, the uh, one of the big things that's happened around kind of data that's made data kind of cool because data wasn't always cool. It was kind of always if you ever watch you know the the cop shows or the the other yeah. popular culture things. The, the data person was always the geeky person. You know, it was a person that wore glasses like you and I, and they would, uh, you know, they would be the person, they tap a couple things on the computer and something would come up. And then, the, you know, the renegade cop would go kick down the door and whatever, There's, you know, but there was never the main character was never the data person. You know, that was always the geeky person. But with sports, now sports analytics has become a thing. 
And uh, with that, you've seen the, uh, the Sloan Sports Conference out at MIT, and that has kind of mainstreamed kind of the sports analytics. Uh, the book Moneyball that came out about the, uh, the Oakland A's and the movie that came out later uh, really put sports analytics on, on, on the thing. The Golden State Warriors being popular, now everybody in the NBA shoots threes, and baseball, everybody now that hits a home run or strikes out because of analytics and people go for it on fourth down in football. Uh, we have really looked, seen how, how, how data has impacted sports. And now, especially with uh, fantasy football and those things, uh, people are really into to data and analytics. Sports gambling has becoming big. And I, I always think it's a really cool thing for folks who, who want to see some 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 what I call the more cooler aspects of, of data, just feel free to look up the uh, this, this Google, the MIT Sloan Conference, and you can see some cool things that are introduced there. They have uh, really cool research papers that, that folks have, have published there, uh, talking about using AI for baseball predictions, uh, looking at how to, how to model the draft to pick a, a better player, uh, uh, using uh, uh, Shomsky's correlations for for building better lineups. I mean, it's like it's 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 cool because it's like the geek meets the cool piece. Uh, so, I you know like I, there's been a transition, right? And you know, part of it is you know seeing more. Uh, geeks and nerds in starring roles in movies and TV and stuff like that. Part of it is that, um, you know, folks who people uh, look up to and idolize, so in sports, are using it to get an advantage, right? So I think, you know, that's a big piece. Um, I want to push back, though, for a minute, because, you know, one of the things that is really important to me is, is also getting uh, more, uh, females, uh, into this field. And I agree, right. Sports has, has had, a uh, has been really positive at, at, at attracting kind of more men and even non, you know, non kind of, uh, you know, those who aren't traditionally attracted to a field like this. Um, what, uh, at, at, at your organization, what kinds of things, are you finding uh, are attracting the women to this sort of um, uh, uh, field? And maybe it's sports also, um, but uh, uh, I'm curious about your answer. Uh, sports sports has, has helped with some of that, but you are right. Because oftentimes uh, when we do talk sports, especially when it comes down to professional sports, there's this, uh, there's this kind of good old boy network. One thing I did appreciate about the, what I do like about the Sloan Conference in particular, just because that, that's kind of the, the more popular one. It's kind of like uh, what I, it's kind of like the, uh, the Met Gala for, uh, for, for, for data science. I kind of like, mm-hmm. kind of like where the, where the, where the cool people kind of go, uh, go, go hang out. And so what I do, appreciate about them is that they feature uh they feature women prominently and you're seeing more women uh are in positions of power in professional organizations uh so for example they had uh rennie anderson who's the chief revenue officer and executive vice president for nfl partnerships there uh sue mm. bird was was there yeah yeah uh kristen bernard the, the executive vice president of uh, msg sports uh was there uh, there's a, a chief revenue officer for the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, you're, you're seeing, uh, one thing that's really cool is that you're seeing with data analytics that there are more women who are getting opportunities in sports organizations who may have, uh, you know, the kind of the, the, the machismo, you have to play football, you have to be in this sport in order to, to work in the office. That's not the case at all. And you're seeing that more opportunities are coming with, uh, with, with data analytics. As far as how we're getting females involved, 
one, there's a lot of really cool partnerships with 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 organizations uh, like iUrban Team, with uh, Girl Code, Girls and Code, uh, different things like that to look at different ways of getting folks involved. What I also think has really helped with having females involved in particular, uh, females, uh, non-binary and uh, LGBT, of course, is, is, is really taking a look at, one, what you talked about, power, and, and how we can look at dismantling some traditional power structures that might have been there, but using data to communicate how those uh, how those power structures are impacting their community. So yeah. one of the things that we did with our youth is we asked them to do uh, some projects on how STEM can impact their community. And what in particular was what was really uh, what I really enjoyed about the female presentations. One is that they were very creative, and two, they were they were be- they were really able to express and communicate not only what the issues were in the community, but how those impacted their lives in a way that some of the some of the male students were still kind of struggling with on, on, on some <laughs> of those occasions, to, to, to be honest. But we're seeing from uh, and, and what we're trying to do from our organizations in is how do we make sure these folks have a voice? How are they expressing that? And how do we make sure that we're connecting them with people to let them move forward in that voice. And so, so I'm seeing, I, I'm seeing ahead. something similar, and and I don't, I haven't had enough students come through my programs to to see it as a trend yet. Um, but I can say we are uh, very proud of the fact that our our master's program is is at least fifty percent uh, those who identify as female. Um, uh, and it has been for the last couple of years, and we hope to kind of continue that trend. Computer science is still, I think, a little too uh, much of a boys club, and uh, and there's work to do there um, uh, for certain. Uh, but data science is, is broader, you can enter later, and um, is, uh, I think, a bit more welcoming partially because it's a bit newer. And so, you know, the, um, uh, the power structures are, are yet to be established in, in many cases um, uh, in those areas. I wanna highlight two females um, that uh, just graduated from my master's class. One, uh, they're gonna hate me for, for you know, calling them out but that's okay you know (laughs) nothing wrong with calling Uh, them out as a matter of fact when you do call them out feel free to shoot them an email tell them that we would love to (laughs) talk to them and uh you know either they can come on the podcast or we can highlight them in uh, one of our videos but we like to we do uh we do uh highlights of of professionals in stem and uh, we would have no problem highlighting so i want i want you to get both of these uh lovely uh young uh, women on your podcast. The first is Colleen Smythe. Um, she's a uh, mathematics teacher at uh, Portland Public Schools. Um, okay. And she just went through our master's program and she did a uh, 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 a machine learning model uh, to predict high school graduation, right? So she's in there and and she's really messing things up at Portland Public Schools because Everything they got currently is not working very well. Okay. And the model that she created, right, in my program, you know, outperforms anything that public Portland schools is currently doing at predicting um, a, a graduation of current students at each level, right? So it, it basically says, if you're a freshman, here are the interventions that you need, you know, to make sure these students graduate. If they're a sophomore, here are the interventions that you need, right, to make sure these students graduate. Um, absolutely amazing uh, work. Um, uh, she was certainly one of the stars of the show uh, when she presented her work to um, uh, kind of a panel of industry experts as well. So get her on your, on your show. She's um, uh, uh really uh, good in um, at, at public speaking as well. And so I, I'm, I would love uh, to see her. 
Um, the other is Heather Rugnetta, um, who uh, did a, um, a really kind of nice in-depth uh, visualization of uh, food charity donations affected by COVID in Clackamas County. Uh, and so she's got this cool like heat map and you can dive in, it's interactive and you can look at where, you know, where people stepped up and where people didn't step up uh, to help out that charity in Clackamas County. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, but you probably already know, my little neighborhood over in Lake Oswego was not donating much to the Clackamas charity, okay, despite so, so the we- fact. So, 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 so we know we, we they can expect a large donation from the Watts family uh, coming <laughs> here very soon. Uh, we will, I'm going to uh, make up for it. We have to. We'll, we'll put them on alert right now. Uh, so, so Clackamas County, uh, if you don't uh, any any of the nonprofits, if you don't receive uh, a, a food basket or a large check from the Watts family, make sure you contact In the Numbers Podcast. We will have the expose live uh, and and online right here at the end of numbers podcast. The great thing about um, my donation is that Jarvez uh, has said that he will match well, any look amount. At the time. That... Uh, uh, we can hold on for just one moment right there. We have to do a quick sponsor read. This uh, this episode of the end of numbers podcast is sponsored by the East Metro Steam Partnership, who has their uh, bi-monthly partner meeting coming up Wednesday, October 6th. Feel free to visit the website at hmetrosteam.org and learn more about how you can help to provide students and families with e- equitable access to STEM and STEAM learning opportunities, which help lead to a skilled workforce. Again, that website is eastmetrosteam.org. Feel free to click on the Join Us button or the calendar to learn more about our initiatives and to RSVP for the partner meeting on Wednesday, October 6th at 1 p.m. You know, sometimes you have to go to commercial when uh, <laughs> when, when people start talking about matching donations and, 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 and other, other things like that. Uh, definitely, I'll be looking forward to you to make those introductions. I would love to have them on the podcast and talk about their work. I think it's, 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 it's exciting. I would love much one thing why I wanted you on the podcast is because I think this work is fantastic. And I would love to introduce uh, our folks in East County who may not have heard about it, who may not know about this as an area both that they can go into and as well as some of our educators to know that they might want to think about doing this uh, many of them already have uh, MIT, uh, MATs, but to think about adding a daily element, not just for what they're going to be teaching in the classroom, but for their work that they may be looking at if they want to be and um, if they want to be a, uh, a principal or a, an educator, uh, a, I forgot the actual term that they use for the administrator. And that's what I think a lot of, of teachers often struggle with when they're looking at getting administrative positions is, you know, a lot of them have, have, have been spent years in the classroom working with, with, with kids and students. They understand that element. But when you're an administrator, now you're working with other folks. And I think you're understanding this now that you're, a, that now that you're a big wig uh, over there at, at, at Willamette, now you're, uh, let me make sure I get the title right. The executive director and chair of computing and data science program as well as associate professor of marketing and data science. Now that you're not just in the classroom, now you get to go deal with the other stuff. You get to go deal with budgets and class sizes and whether or not to keep a class or not keep a class or, you know, make that class be at the Portland campus or should that class be in Salem and and thinking about, you know, this online or not. You have to think, you have to make decisions now. And a lot of those decisions are based in, in data and of course you teach it. So of course it's, 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 it comes second nature to you, but for some of our educators, you know, who might be thinking about considering a job in administration, uh, it would really help them to really dive a little deeper into the, the, the analytics and learn more about data science as a, as, as yeah. part of their, their career futures. 
And I would say that also for folks who are interested in, in, um, you know, dipping their toe in the water, especially folks who are maybe mid career and, and they're looking for the next step up. Um, you know, our master's program, uh, is a year long, uh, but it is in the evenings and it is in Portland. So um, you can do this program uh, while working full-time or while um, uh, looking for a job full-time. However, uh, we also have a shortened version of the program, uh, which is only four courses. And, you know, these are, these are full semester long graduate courses. And so it's, it's, it's not, you know, uh, a walk in the park. It's still rigorous, um, but uh, it's uh, it's a slightly dialed back version of the master's. Uh, so it's a four course certificate program, um, and it kind of gets you to that that level where you're comfortable um, with all the basics of data science, um, and you can use them in in the the skills in in your day to day life, and and maybe level up a little bit at your career. Um, so those are definitely options at the graduate level that uh, that would work for working professionals, administrators, those sorts of things. Okay, but there's not going to be any access classes, right? In or, what way? There's no classes on access. Are you, are you working in in access? Oh God, no! Uh, you mean oh, Microsoft that's what, Access? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that. That's what I'm talking about. Because boy, man, I, I'm like, wait, I might check out a couple of classes or two. But if I got to deal with access, then I don't know if I want to mess with it. Uh, no Microsoft access. <laughs> no Excel. I always, uh, always yeah. joke with. Uh, oh, what was I always always joke with? Uh, uh, I I believe it was no, it wasn't hand. It was. Uh, uh, who was the who was the other professor that was? That was there. Who I think he left though. Uh, wasn't hand tall guy. Not uh, Will Bank. Uh, not the uh, accounting. He was a quantitative guy. Yeah. I don't remember. It was was it Gurmeet Singh? No. No, no, it wasn't Singh. I I, I can't oh, remember. Yeah. But but one summer he had a uh, he had a it was a technology class. He was like, yeah, I need people to come in too. It's not going to be any programming. And then like half the class was programming. And I was like, oh, you got me in the coding and I didn't want to do it. Uh, and I was like, hey, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna sneak me into the uh, Microsoft Access, even though I didn't want to I didn't want to mess There's a back it, door. There's a back door. <laughs> I've got an amazing set of faculty right now at the undergraduate level. And they are figuring out all kinds of interesting ways of getting people involved in data um, and getting them even programming a little bit before they know it. Um, and it's, I mean, you got to get a taste, right? And once you get a taste, <laughs> yeah, you get that power uh, and you can then go from there. No, no, it's definitely good to, to, to get a taste of it. And we want our, our East County students to get a taste of it. We definitely want our, uh, our East County teachers to get a taste of it, our administrators. And hopefully in your in your in your next cohorts that come out, you get a few folks from from East County. And if you want to know more information about this, all you have to do is go to willamette.edu slash and then just just type in computer. And the first thing that will come up is the computer and data science area. It is a really cool website. it's really cool. I'm excited about how you did your, your how you all did your video on this. I was like, this is this is really nice. This makes me almost want to want to go there. It talks about uh, the <laughs> undergraduate degree in data science, the undergraduate degree in computer science, the accelerated degrees uh, where you can do a three plus one, which is kind of cool, where you uh, can get your data science bachelor's and master's uh, in four years, uh, which I think is really cool. And it also talks about the the graduate certificates in data science as well. So there's some really cool information there. Um, you can find out more information about the program. Uh, there's a Portland campus and a Salem campus. So there's opportunities for things in both of those. And you can find really cool stuff about the faculty and everything else right there on the website. So I recommend you go there. Uh, again, that's willamette.edu 
uh, slash computer dash data dash science, and it'll take you right there. And uh, you can, and if you click on faculty, uh, you'll see a really cool picture of, of Dr. Watts right on there, uh, which is actually kind of cool. And get his whole full bio uh, with his email. He's hanging out at Ford Hall 205. Uh, you can go by and see him, especially for those nonprofits that are looking for that donation uh, that the Watts family is supposed to give. That's right where he's located. Uh, you can shoot him an email. And if you want to get him talking, just ask him anything about blockchain and, and you'll get him, you'll get him going for a for, for a good few hours there. We need we didn't get to blockchain in uh in this conversation. Uh, I'm gonna keep that uh that photo on the website for the next 15 years and <laughs> we'll see. And hopefully at one point you'll tell me what you're looking at because something is going on. He's looking just, at something there's something the important in the distance. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's something just really intense going on right outside of you of the camera. <laughs> yeah, um, Bill, I want... one, th one thing I just wanted to, to shout to you also, uh, and, and I hope the university is doing more of this as well. Uh, I had been in talks kind of over the summer with some folks at, at Atkinson, the MBA program, uh, really about the diversity piece. And some folks had asked me about my experience uh, in the college. And I was quite honest with them uh, about that. Uh, and the fact that, you know, there weren't at the time, uh, I, I think it was, I was one of two black students in the entire program. There weren't black faculty. There weren't uh, many other faculty of color at that time. We didn't talk about diversity other than the one, you know, part of an HR class where we talked about, hey, you might get sued if you asked about a protected class during an interview type of thing but there really wasn't that commitment to it. It seems that the university has moved a little bit forward in that regard the last couple of years. Um, that is my, you know, might have my hope you're there a little bit deeper uh, than me to talk, you know, can, can address that piece. Uh, but where I'm, I'm hoping and, and, and why I engage with, uh, with Willamette as well as other private schools like, uh, like Lewis and Clark and others is because I don't want to just put the onus on the public school on you know, Portland State, on uh, the community colleges, PCC, uh, uh, you know, Semecata, uh, Lynn Benton, Oregon State. Like, yes, they have roles to play, but I also don't want to exalt our, our, our private schools of that because I want our young people to have access to those as well. Even if they don't have, you know, 50 grand a year to go, you know, to find where, you know, our, can we make sure that we're, uh, that private school education is accessible to yeah, folks of color it, and low income. Yes, we. I want. I want East, East Metro students applying to Willamette. Apply. We need you, right? Um, and look, it's frankly, it sucks, right? Like uh, diversity is a hard thing to to fix. Um, and you know, one of the ways that that we can solve it is is by having um, just more people who may be afraid that private school education isn't for them, you know, taking a chance and at least applying, um, you know, and, and see what the school can give you, see what, see what's on offer. Um, you know, and, um, I guess what I can promise from my end is that, uh, you know, we will have on-ramps. We will have ways for folks um, to feel comfortable and to get involved, especially in data science and computer science, um, uh, because that's what I have control over. Um, and um, yeah, let's go, um, let's go fix a couple of things, give people some power, and then uh, let them change the world. Well, there we go. Well, that's a, that's a great way to wrap it up. I want to thank Dr. Watts for being with us today. I want to thank him for helping us with our, uh, with our great number of the day, uh, which we said was 120,339. And we are excited to have data science really be on the forefront of this year. And what, I, what, what we're going to commit to over at East Metro is we're going to have some type of data science competition 
for our students. And we hope that uh, Dr. Watson and the Willamette program will uh, will come and be a part of that in, in some way. Uh, we want to get kids excited about it. So and, uh, we'll be in- um, yeah, thank you. I'm happy to be involved, and I did. I know you, uh, you know, through all my contact info up there. But I, I want to double down on that and say, anyone who who wants to uh, hop on the phone or shoot me an email, you're more than welcome. Um, I'm happy to make myself available. Okay. Well, thank you very much, everybody. Give Dr. Watts a big round of applause. Like I said, we're likely to have him back if we even get into our our blockchain conversation. We didn't talk about NFTs or anything like that, but uh, we'll, we'll bring them on again to talk about that. And we'll bring in some of the students. Hopefully, uh, you know, maybe we'll do a thing where once a year we can we can feature one of the, one of the projects from one of the students at Willamette uh, over on the podcast. So that's uh, been the In The Numbers podcast. I am your host, Jarvis Hall of the East Metro STEAM Partnership. And we thank you very much for being with us today, for joining us for our first season where we're doing a video podcast as a piece of this. Uh, feel free to check it out on our YouTube channel. Feel free to visit us at eastmetrosteam.org and make sure to always stay in the numbers.